As you're making your way back to your seats, this is going to be, um, I think this is going to be the best summer as a church we've ever had. Um, and, you know, you say that, you know, it's every summer is going to be the best summer we ever had. And the reason I th- I'm saying I think it's going to be the best summer we've ever had is because I am so excited about going through the book of Proverbs, number one, because it is so, such a practical guide for us. Um, I'm getting such positive feedback from all of you the emails and, and just, you know, uh, texts and those kinds of things of encouragement. Because, again, this the book of Proverbs, no matter how old or young you are, no matter if, it's a, if you're a male or female, it doesn't matter. It's so practical. It applies to every area of our lives. And it, it's this whole entire summer is going to be a time of growth, of spiritual growth. You know, a lot of times you, you do things in the summertime, you go through a series or whatever else, and it's almost like... You know, you're getting through the summer to get to the September, which is when you really, you know, and I don't think that's going to I think this summer is going to be a time of real spiritual growth for our church individually. I feel like God is preparing us individually for what he has for us this coming year, what he's going to do in our lives this coming year. You know, the maturity that we need as a church to take that next step in our in our spiritual journey as a body, as the body of Christ. And so on the one hand, we're growing individually, spiritually, and, and we're, we're connecting with each other. And God is working in our hearts and God's going to change us in so many ways. And the other side, you know, a lot of times summer is a time where you, again, you go through the motions, you get, kind of get things done, you do a little few things here and there. In our church, this is like unbel- the things that we're getting done on this campus, whether it's the parking lot's nowhere near finished. Um, I, I'll tell you, the Donaldson's are out there yesterday, two of them, you know, uh, and, and working so hard and all that, it was like 100 degrees outside. And they're slopping that black tar stuff on the ground. Um, still have a, a little ways to go here to finish it. But my goodness, what a transformation that's going to be when all, everything's patched up and we fix all the cracks and do all that kind of thing and, and stripe the whole parking lot. And then we start moving inside the building. The transformation that's going to happen on this campus over the next three or four months is going to be nothing short of astounding. And I, I'm telling you, this summer is going to be the best summer that we've ever had as a church because of those things, because of the spiritual growth in our hearts, which is most important. But then the growth of this campus and the way right now we're at twelve hundred, like basically the three or four groups that want to use the building add up to three groups add up to twelve hundred students that will be in there weekly. That's just th- from three groups that would like to use the facility when we're finished. 1,200 people that will be that will be able to invest our lives in, care about, pray over, and bless will be coming to this building uh, every single every single week. So I, I am so I am so excited about it. And you know, again, we're we're in this series uh, on the Book of Proverbs, and and again, we're talking about practical things every single day. Every single day, we interact with people, all kinds of people across all different lines. Some of them are nice. You know, they're really nice. Some of them are really difficult. Some of them basically inspire us. Others irritate us, right? They're really irritating. 
Some people uh, uh, fascinate you. To, you, ever, you ever people watch? Anybody people, anybody, you have people watchers? You go to like, you go to Disney or whatever else, spend half your time people watching. You know what I mean? It's like, this is just fascinating, you know, watching these folks. But, you know, they're fascinating. And some people are intimidating. You know, you're, you're around people who are really intimidating. You don't like it very much. The reality is a lot of the challenge that we face every single day in our lives come from personality conflicts. We just can't seem to truly get along sometimes with the people around us, whether it's at work or at school, whatever the case may be. It's, it's really, really difficult. And whether you're rich or you're poor or you're, you're strong or you're weak, you're old or you're young, it doesn't really matter. If your relationships are strained, then you're miserable. We all know that. You're in a conflict with your best friend. You broke up with a boyfriend or girlfriend. You're in a conflict with your husband or your wife. Your kids are giving you some trouble. You're frustrated with your parents. Your parents are frustrated with you. When that's going on, that's really all you can think about. Everything else kind of takes a back seat. I know when my relationship is strained with anybody close to me in my family or my close circle, you know, people like relatives or whatever else, there's something that I can't think of anything else. I mean, I, ha- I have to sometimes because you have to get your work done. But when my relationships are strained, I'm miserable. I, I, I don't think I'm the only one. I, I know I'm not the only one. Relationships in life are everything. And it, it, it's why it's so important that we learn, that we as individuals here this morning, learn how to get along with other people, how to interact with other people. So this morning as we continue our series, Wise Up, we're going to learn from the book of Proverbs, obviously, that's, that's, our, that's our main book, but also from the book of James, how we can relate wisely to those around us. How do we relate wisely? How do we take the wisdom that God has given us, okay, and relate that to other people within our sphere of influence? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And again, who does this not touch? Every single one of us. That's why I'm so excited about going through this book. You know, often we, we, we treat or, or react to people in very foolish ways, and we end up provoking the very behavior that we're trying to avoid in other people. You know, we provoke them. We, we want to interact with them, so we go through this, you know, we're, we're interacting, but then we end up provoking the very behavior that, that we don't desire. You know, common sense, if you think about it, common sense is not so common in our culture. It really isn't. I mean, now we talk about, oh, this just common, so common sense. Common sense is getting a lot less common in this culture. And a lot of very intelligent people, a lot of very, very intelligent people are not very wise when it comes to interacting with other people. You say to yourself, my goodness, that person is so smart. They're so intelligent. Give them something to, re- to solve or a problem to work through in their heads. And man, they're, I mean, how do you spell whatever? They know, they know how to spell everything. You're like, how does a person know how to spell everything? I mean, I never even heard of that word. And they can spell it. It's incredible. But when it comes to them interacting with someone in the, booth, the, the cubicle next to them or in their home or whatever in school, or, it doesn't matter. They are not very good relationally. They just don't have that, what do you call it, they, uh, that, that, that social IQ, they call it, right? They're just missing when it comes to interacting with people. And from that person all the way down to all the rest of us, we have difficulty sometimes relating to other people. It's just being human. I think a lot of it is perspective. 
And sometime this summer, I think I'm going to I'm going to go and I'm going to re rework on. Uh, I'm thinking about this on Jonah and talking about perspective, because I find that to be the number one of the number one reasons, like top three reasons why people can't get along, why they can't interact with each other very well, because we're all in a little bubble world and we have our own perspective. And so we walk into relationships with our perspective and that skews everything, everything that we do, everything that we think. You know, education does not always create wisdom. You know, like I was saying, you're, you could be extremely intelligent, but education does not always bring about wisdom in someone's life. In James chapter 3 and verse 13, it says that wisdom is a lifestyle. It's, it's how we live our lives. It has less to do, it has less to do with your intellect and so much more to do with your character. And you're relating to other people in your own character. It says this, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Imagine if Jesus kind of walks into kind of walks into Grace Chapel, right? And he says, uh, he, he says, you know, who among you is wise? Now, <laughs> I have my hands in my pocket when <laughs> I just, you know, but if you were crazy enough to raise your hand, know what he would say? He'd say, prove it. Prove it. Who among you is wise? He'd say, well, I'm, I think I'm wise. He'd say, prove it. Sh- show me your wisdom by your lifestyle. Show me your wisdom, not just by the words that you speak, but by the life that you live, by your actions. Wisdom is, you know, obviously, words are important, but words are cheap sometimes. They really are. You know, we say, it's like, you know, do as I say, not as I do. If Jesus were here with us and he asked that question, I tell you right now, most of us just keep our hands in our pockets because the reality is that's the thing, next thing he would say. Show me by your life, how you're living your life, not just by your words, but by your actions. Wisdom has more to do with character than intellect. It has more to do with the character of the person than it does with their intellectual ability. Obviously, some people who are extremely intelligent are extremely wise. They do go together sometimes. They really do. Because intelligent people will realize, hey, in order for me to get along, in order for me to have good relationships, here's what I need to do. And wisdom comes along with that. But it has more to do with your character than it does your intellect. Intellect can often lead to pride. The Bible tells us that. That sometimes your intellect can lead to pride. You become, you know, you become a little bit arrogant. But true biblical wisdom leads to humility. When you're, uh, you, you will, if you find, if you show me a wise person, I will show you a humble person. And if you want a definition of humility, here's one of the best definitions I've heard about of humility. It's understanding who I am and then understanding who I am in relation to God. When I understand who I am as a person and my weaknesses, my strengths, but then I understand who I am in relation to God, then I have humility. Because I understand, when you understand this relationship, that truly brings about humility. In James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, it says that a lack of wisdom causes all kinds of problems. Let me read it. It says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast about it and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, even, the, uh, even of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. 
A lack of wisdom causes all kinds of disorder and all kinds of frustrations along with chaos and confusion. Do you have chaos and confusion in your, in your home right now? Do you have chaos and confusion at work where you just can't, there's just, you know, and I'm not talking about because it's time, it's, it's graduation time. Obviously, there's chaos and confusion, disorder, because you're trying to get things together. I'm talking in general. Do you have chaos and confusion and disorder in your home? If you do, maybe it's that you lack some wisdom. Maybe you need to grow in this area of your life. If you grow in the area of wisdom, these things begin to take care of themselves because you're working on it. You're working on that area of your life. How can we... So I guess one of the questions I have this morning, the major question is, how can we know, how, we, how can we relate wisely to other people? How do we relate to each other in such a way that our relationships will grow deeper, more intimate, spiritually intimate? How do we do that? Well, that's what I want to deal with this morning. That's really what I want us to talk about with the rest of our time. I want us to talk about how we can truly uh, practically relate to one another in a way that will help us grow in depth of understanding and of spiritual maturity within relationships. In James chapter 3 and verse 17, it lists characteristics of a wise person. What are some characteristics of a person who is wise? It says, but wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So the first thing that we draw from this is a wise person will not compromise their integrity. A wise person is not going to compromise their honor. One, one movie that I really enjoy is The Natural. And in The Natural, uh, Roy Hobbs is being bribed. They come and they want to bribe him to not hit the ball in, a, in the championship game. In no, in no uncertain terms, hit the ball and we'll give you this money and everything else. And he has to make a decision whether he's going to go along with that or not. And here's the clip. Something seems amiss. Correct me if I'm wrong, Hobbs, but we had a deal. No. Those are your winnings, Slugger. This is a gag, Hobbs. Pick it up. Get out of here. If it isn't enough money, tell us what you've got in mind. To hit away. I thought I could rely on your honor, Hobbs. You're about to. You're a foolish, foolish man. You've forgotten something. Your past. I don't care. Go on. Get on the phone. You know, a little short clip, but the reality is every single one of us have to deal with situations like that every single week. Not walking into a dark room with two people who are throwing money in front of you and saying, hey, you know, you know, don't hit the ball in any, you know, any given circumstances. But you know what? We get that same thing at work, don't we? Maybe in a lesser, no one's throwing a big bag of money on your table. What they're saying is, hey, you need to close this deal. You need to be. One of the things that I've learned in doing businessry and interacting with men and women in this church on a deeper level, when they, I really can empathize, not just sympathize with what goes on in your everyday lives. I can't, it is amazing what you guys have to deal with every single day in the workplace where people are expecting you to do certain things that go against your moral code, what you know to be right and wrong. Hey, you know, you got to close the deal. We're in tough economic times, and they want you to close the deal. And you're going to have to hold on to your integrity. And a wise person holds on to their integrity. They throw the money back on the table, and they say, No, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I will not give up my honor 
my character, my integrity for anything. Because my friends, at the end of the day, that's really all we have, isn't it? When we're laying on our deathbeds and all said and done and all the jobs are done and all the expectations and all these things, what matters is who we are. That's what's going to matter most of all. That's what matters most of all. God is not going to ask me, okay, how big Grace Chapel became when I first get to heaven. When I get to heaven, that's not a question I'm going to hear. Hey, hey, how big was the church? Hey, how much, how many business trees, blah, blah, blah. He knows all that already. What he's going to care about is who is Jeff Greer? Who are you? Not what I did. He's never going to be impressed with what I did. He's going to be impressed with who I am. I have responsibility for who I am as a man of God. You have a responsibility for who you are as a man or a woman of God. The Bible says the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Pure means uncorrupted. It is not corrupted. It's authentic Pure. We need to be pure in our character, not corrupted by the world around us, not corrupted by anything, holding on to our character and integrity. A person who is wise holds on to their integrity. If I'm a genuine person, if I'm a wise person, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to cheat you in any kind of deals or whatever else. I'm not going to manipulate you to get what I want. It's authentic. I mean, one thing I refuse to do in a church situation, and I know it happens sometimes, and a lot of you have been in these situations where there's kind of crazy stuff going on in church, some spiritual abusive kind of things, or you feel like the people that are in leadership are basically manipulating you to think a certain thing or give a certain thing or whatever. I would rather just get up here and be honest and authentic in my heart and character and just tell you what the needs are of the church are whenever we have different needs and just talk about it. But if I'm a person of character and integrity, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to cheat you. And I'm not going to manipulate you relationally. I'm not going to manipulate people relationally because that's what life is all about. Relationships, building deep, meaningful relationships. And a person of character will not compromise. They're uncompromising in their character. That is wisdom. See, the reality is all relationships are built on trust and respect But if you're not honest, who's going to trust you? If you're not honest, who's going to respect you? That's what we want out of our relationships. We want to be trusted. We want to be respected. But a lot of times we're not because of the way we behave. And I'm talking to some of the sometimes the junior high and high school students and the younger ones. You know, you want to be respected and trusted by your parents. I got to ask you a question, not picking on you, just asking a question. Are you living your life in such a way that you that you you should be receiving that trust? Is it is it really your parents just not trusting you or is your character being lived in such a way that you're you're creating that dynamic that you can't be trusted? That's that's something we need to ask ourselves. I'll be the first one to raise my hand throughout all my faults. But I'm telling you right now, if you want a deep trusting relationship with your parents, then you have to have honesty. You have to have honesty. In your character, you have to have that. You know, we have to have honesty and character and integrity in our lives. Dr. Leonard Keeler, the man who came up with the, uh, the lie detector test, he tested over 25,000 people in his life, and he came to the conclusion that most people are dishonest. That's what he said. Most people are basically dishonest. Let me tell you something. Dishonest people do not have good relationships. They do not have good relationships. 
In Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 9, it says, A man of integrity walks with security. He walks, he, integrity walks securely. Okay, they walk securely because he's not afraid to be found out. He walks securely. He or she walks securely because they're not afraid to be found out. They're not saying one thing to one person or group and another thing to another person or group. I know in our culture, especially in politics, this happens all the time. You say, wait, didn't you didn't a guy just say that a week ago? And he says he can have it on tape. It's like right on tape. You show it 50 times on CNN or Fox or whatever else. And the person comes around. Well, that's not really what I said. No, it is. Let me show it to you again. Well, that's not really what I said. No, you did say it. You said it right. And you clarified what you said. And so, but that's not really what I meant. It's not really what I said. What is is and all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? You know they're lying. You know, you know this is, but that's not the way a wise person lives their life. A wise person has integrity, doesn't live that way. They don't say one thing over here to this group of people and another thing over to this group of people. They can walk securely. Somebody very wise once told me, if you tell the truth, you never have to remember what you say. But if you lie, you always have to remember what you say. Is that, isn't that true? Okay, if you tell the truth, if I tell you right now, you know, I have a, I have a dog that's uh, black and white and blah, 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 and he t- tell you a story about my dog. If, I, if it's a true story, I don't have to remember what I just said this morning. I'll get up a year from now and tell you the exact same story, and you'll say, yeah, I remember that story about that black and white dog. It's the truth. But if I'm lying and making something up, I have to remember exactly what I said about the black and white dog, because if I get up again a year from now, or if someone asks me about the black and white dog, and that's why sometimes you get caught in, in your things, because people ask you a question six months later and realize you're telling a different story because you didn't remember what you said because you were lying. We need to have integrity. When you're, when you're telling the truth, you never have to remember what you say. But if you're not telling a lie, you always have to remember what you say. See, if I'm wise... I'm going to be a person of integrity. Second, wise people try to avoid foolish confrontations. There's a, there's a movie called Joe Somebody, and, and uh, he gets slapped around in a parking lot in the very beginning of the movie. And the entire movie is leading up to this scene I'm going to show you where he needs to decide whether he's going to be, go into this confrontation and get into a fight or he's going to show wisdom and not get into the fight. Has anybody got the time? Yeah. 10F.
can do this. Hit him with your left. Hit him with your right. Be like that, Lee. Even with your right. I can do this. We're not. You know, you know, you see that situation. You see that situation. Ah, when do you see a bunch of adults in a parking lot, you know, ready to fight each other? You know, here, here's the point. You you run into those situations yourself every single day. Maybe not a fist fight, but how about a, a verbal confrontation with your spouse or with your children or with your coworker or with whatever else? You need to, a wise person needs to decide: Am I getting to the, get into this confrontation or not? Am I going to get into this kind of melee uh, behavior, immature behavior, or am I not? And a wise person avoids it. Proverbs twenty verse three says, "It is to a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel." Amen. Every fool is quick to quarrel. A wise person is looking for to promote harmony. They're looking to avoid a confrontation. They're looking to avoid fights. You ever known someone who is always arguing, always looking for that that confrontation? Always, I mean, no matter what side you take, they take the other side. You ever been around a person like that? You know, you try to find common ground. They don't want to find common ground. They want to somehow win an argument. They want to win the confrontation. So they then pick a side just to argue things. That is not wisdom. That's foolish. To constantly be looking. And I'm going to tell you something else. You, because maybe you're more intellectual than someone else, you're a little smarter than the other person, or you're just a better verbally than somebody else. That doesn't make you wise. It really doesn't. Because when you do that to people, when you win the argument, you lose, you lose their respect. You really do. You never win in relationships by beating people in a verbal confrontation. You never win in relationships. If there's no reconciliation and the person doesn't walk away feeling loved and that they were heard, you lost. You lost. Your person may say, well, you really sp- verbally sparred with that. But you really, boy, you really showed them. You know what you showed them? You showed them you don't respect them. You showed them you don't care about them. You, you put yourself before, the, before them. They walk away. They don't go, oh, I feel so much better about so-and-so because they're so much smarter than I am and they're so much more verbally acute at, at, at things that I am and therefore I feel so much better about myself and them. You really think people think that when they walk away? Are they thinking to themselves, you know, I'm not going to get to talk to that person anymore because every time I get into a conversation, I never, I never come out ahead and I always come out feeling stupid or put down or whatever else. That is not relationship building. Wise people figure out how can I make Bobby feel better when I walk away from a conversation with him. Bobby and I are. Dis- I love you, Bobby. So I can play with Bobby. If Bobby and I are in a disagreement, you know, my 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 job my job is not to win in a conversation and beat him in a conversation. It's to come out saying how does how does my relationship with Bobby strengthen after this conversation is over? Does he feel better about me as a person? Does he trust me more? So will he come to me and talk to me more about different situations that he may disagree agree to? He doesn't disagree with anything. I'm not. This is all made up. Um, but how how does he walk away from that that disagreement? A wise person wants someone else to walk away feeling better about themselves, not worse about themselves. So we need to make sure we're doing that. We have to ask the question, what causes argument, arguments? Do you know? You see, a wise person knows what causes arguments, and that way they can avoid a lot of the confrontations that other people get into. Wise people understand what causes me to get into confrontations and difficulties with other people. 
And how can I avoid those confrontations and how can I avoid those difficulties? So they understand what causes confrontations. And I want to share with you three things that cause people to get into conflict that you can kind of put in the back of your mind. There's a lot more than this. So I'm going to share three of them. Okay. the first one is trying to control people, controlling people. That's the first thing that causes conflict. You say, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of people that are very good at this. Okay, they they feel like because of their past or whatever else, they need to control the situation. And they think somehow that if they control the situation, they get the other person to do what they want to do, that somehow they've they've gained something. You've gained nothing. Again, one of two things happen when you grab something and hold it tight when you control it. You either kill it or it slips through your fingers. Those are the two options when you try to control something. When I, when I snatch something and try to control it and try to ma- maintain control, it's going to die. I'm going to crush it and kill it or it's going to slip through my fingers. Those are my two options. When I'm feeling controlled by someone, okay, I don't walk away feeling like I have a stronger and more meaningful and intimate relationship with the person who I know is trying to control me. I used to be in a relationship with someone. It was a, it was a working relationship where every time I walked into the room with that person, my, after about three or four years, I thought to myself, what is this person trying to get me to say or think or do in the conversation? You think that was a, you think I was more, I was connected and I would open up and share. Not a chance, not a chance. Controlling people doesn't ever work. It never works in building relationships, never works. Second thing is comparing people. Why can't you be like your more like your brother or sister? Why can't you, or, or you know, my favorite when I was kind of growing up was sometimes people would say, well, so you're just like your father. And they meant it derogatory because back then we, you know, was, he, was the, he was the bad guy. So you're just like your father. You're just like your mother, you know, comparing. Or you say things, I do this, I do this. Um, when I was your age, you know, I mean, I do that all the time. As a matter of fact, when I was writing this, I thought to myself, well, you know, raise your hand for that one. When I was your age, you know, you're always comparing. Well, well back then we work so hard now, boy, you people nowadays, they don't, I do that all the time, you know. So we, we, you don't want to compare people. That, that does not strengthen a relationship. Here's one that never strengthens a relationship, condemning people. Condemning people. It's all your fault. You should be ashamed. You're always putting a guilt trip on them. You always, you never, whatever else. And here's another one that you shouldn't ever do in a relationship because it really, it will draw people away from you. Tagging people. Putting people in a box. Okay? If you knew me, say, 25 years ago or 30 years ago, okay, um, and then you knew me now, and you, you tried to have a relationship with me based upon what you knew 25 years ago, you, you're looking at a different human being from 25 years ago, a completely different human being from 25 years ago. Here's what destroys relationships. If you're pointing something out in someone's life and they're trying to change in that area, but you won't let them change, okay, because you keep saying, you bring it up every time you're in a confrontation, well, this is the way you are, and this is the way you are. Well, wait a second. I used to be hot-tempered. Not anymore. I used to be, I used to have arrogance or whatever. Not anymore. I've really worked on that. I used to be, I used to be, but the person keeps bringing it back up because that's what you are. That destroys relationships. Allow people to grow. Allow people, if you don't allow people that, that growth, if you don't give them that, if a person was, um, uh, say, more aggressive or whatever, and all of a sudden, two years later, they're not any, they're, they've grown in that area, and you don't acknowledge that growth, that hurts relationships. 
They're not perfect yet, but we have to allow the Holy Spirit to move in people's lives and allow that growth to take place and and verbally acknowledge that the person is growing, though they may still need to work on some things. But don't don't just come off and say, you know, condemn people and say, you know, you're always you never those kinds of things. Someone once said you can bury a relationship with a lot of little digs. You can bury a relationship with a lot of little digs. I totally agree. Number three, wise people are always ready to learn. Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. A person who is wise can learn from anyone. She's not defensive. She's reasonable. She's not stubborn. And she's willing to listen. That's a wise person. She's willing to do those things. Are you open to reason? Are you open to reasoning with your children or your husband or your wife or the people around you? Are you open to reason? The Bible says if you're, if you're a wise person, you're going to be reasonable. If you're a wise person, you're going to be a person who op- is open to suggestions. Kim, our daughter, she's older now, uh, she's an adult now, but when she was a teenager, she came to us and she said, you know, when you respond to me this way, when, you're, when we're disagreeing and you respond and you verbalize things this way, it, it frustrates me. It makes me. It makes me want to do the opposite of what you're asking me to do. I get frustrated. And so what we, you know, wisdom, wisdom would step back and say, okay, the person is reasonable, they're rational, and they're asking us not to do something. What you don't want to do is say, you live in my house under my roof, and if you don't like it, you can, there's the door. And you just, I'm not going to change, you're the one who needs to change. If a person's reasonable or rational and they want to interact with you, and they're saying, when you do this, it causes me to feel or behave this way, then it's wisdom that says, I need to change the way I'm communicating to my child. Why should my child change? They were just reasonable, honest, and rational. It came to me in love and said, this is what's causing me frustration. What My option as a wise person is to try to change my behavior so I don't cause them to be exasperated. That's what the Bible says. Don't exasperate your children. That's one way to exasperate your child. They come to you and have an honest conversation and you're telling them, you know, which end is up and what roof they live under and all that kind of stuff. I need to change. She didn't need to change. I need to change my behavior and how I communicate with the people around me. You know, if someone makes a suggestion to a wise person, they don't take it as a personal affront that somehow you're tearing them to pieces and that you're, it's like a personal attack. Remember what we said last week? If someone tells you something true or right, you know what I mean? True or right or or, or good, then apply it to your life. Take it and own it. Make it a part of who you are. If it's true and right and good, own that in your life. It doesn't matter where it's coming from. If someone is, 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 is trying to speak to you on that level, be a reasonable, rational person who's willing to listen and willing to change in order to build that relationship. Fourth, Wise people don't keep reminding others of their mistakes. In Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 9, it says this, He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. You know, do you jump on people every time they mess up? Every time they fall a little short? Be honest with yourself, too. It's okay to be honest. Do you, do you like, do you, are you that kind of guilt person? You know, you like to use guilt. How many people here have said when they were growing up, I will not, my, your parents did something that you couldn't stand and you said, I am never going to do that to my kids. Raise your hand if you said that. If you said as a kid, yeah, I will never do that to my kids. Now, raise your other hand and say, if you've done it to your kids since then. 
Isn't it amazing? I'm sorry. Let's, I'm going to blame the parents, okay? We, we, we are, we're made up of what our parents, you know, inter, how we interacted with our parents. It gets so frustrating sometimes. We'll do that. We can, we, can, we can do that. What we need to do is not be those people. And if your parents were people that were more, used guilt, okay, or condemnation to interact with you, work really hard on overcoming that. Because guilting people, making people feel guilty or condemned is not a way to build a strong, lasting, meaningful relationship that will build intimacy and openness in, in, in that relationship. Guilt is not a good thing to use when it comes to working with people. So do you, do you allow people the to, to, chance to mess up or to fall short without making them feel guilty? See, wisdom's filled with mercy, forgiveness, love. That's what, mercy, that, that's what wisdom is filled with. I mean, we, it's, it's filled with that mercy. It, it's filled with grace. Grace. I teach Josh, we teach Josh all the time when he makes mistakes, we'll say, you know, we're going to show you grace. I use that word. We're going we're to show you grace. He loves grace. Josh, he knows what grace is all about, and he loves it. But mer- wisdom is filled with mercy and grace and forgiveness. Do you ever allow people to, to make those mistakes without making them feel like that guilt or there's nothing they can do to overcome what they've done? You're going to kind of hold it over their heads. and You know, that past mistake, that's all there is, and you're never going to forget about it. Do you hold things over people's heads as leverage to use uh, when you kind of want to pull it out of your bag of tricks? You have that ace, in the, you add the ace in the hole, right? And that person did something in the past, and you got that ace in the hole. And every time that you get into a confrontation, you pull that ace in the hole, and you pull it and say, oh, remember the time, remember the time you... My friends, that is foolish and unwise. Do you really think the person, when you're in the confrontation, and the person knows you can pull that card out and lay it on the table, and as soon as they do, you have to shut up. You have to stop talking because they, oh, you did before, and you feel bad. You still feel bad about it because you've never really been forgiven, so you still feel bad, and the person pulls that out and lays it out. Do you really think the person's walking away saying, boy, I feel so good about myself, and I feel so good about that other person right now? Do you really think that's what they're thinking? Or are, you thinking, are they thinking, you know what, when are we ever going to get to the point where we can mend this, this, this part of our relationship? When can we grow past this? When can we spiritually mature to the point we can get past this? We need to be able to allow other people to make those mistakes and not use as leverage or holding it, hold it over their heads because that's not going to promote the kind of intimate relationships that God wants us to build with each other. Remember the time you should never be in your vocabulary. It should, get rid of it. Remember the time you, if you want to remember the time you, then go home right now, sit down with that person, have a, have a spiritual confrontation and say, uh, this has been bothering me. We need to resolve it because I never want to think about it or bring it up again. But do, take the ace and burn it. Take whatever leverage you have and burn it. Because it, all that's doing is destroying the relationship you have with the other person. It, it's keeping you in limbo. It's, it's, and I'll tell you something else. Your relationship is not going forward. It's going backward. It's not staying in the same place. Remember the time you should be no longer in anyone's vocabulary. Because if that were the case, what if Jesus brought that up? Remember the time you? Anybody want to have that kind of relationship with God? Where he brings up, remember the time you, every time we get together with him? I don't think so. Wisdom allows us to avoid many of the common mistakes that other people make on a regular basis. Let me ask you a quick question because we're talking about wisdom and growth here. How are we doing with our reading? Okay, don't, don't answer. Just think about it. We want to read through the book of Proverbs this summer. How are you doing? 
You should read it through multiple, multiple times. You will learn more by reading through the book of Proverbs on your own than you'll learn on Sunday mornings. Absolutely for sure. Let's read it together. Let's grow in wisdom. Let's apply it to our everyday lives. I love your emails. I love your, your texts and everything else or your, just your conversations about how you're applying it to your life right now. Let's keep doing it because I see amazing things that are going to happen in our lives. Let's just uh, bow your heads with me as we close here. I'm gonna, I want to just spend some time with God. I want you to spend just the last minute or so here with God on your own. I'm going to lead you through some thoughts. Each one of us really... Just if you're if you're not paying attention, if you just zoned out for a second, zone back in, okay? Because each one of us needs to take a good hard look into our own lives and make some changes in how we relate to other people. Start talking to God in your mind right now and and say, God, I need to make some I need to make some changes in how I'm relating to other people. Pastor Jeff is right. I mean, I, I control. I try to control people. Uh, my parents were condemning kind of people. They were they manipulated in that way. They would try to use guilt or condemnation to get me to do certain things. And darn it, I see at myself doing it in my relationships with my husband or wife or my kids. And I don't want to be that person. Lord, help me. Help me to work on that area of my life. Help me to see myself for who I truly am. And allow humility to overtake me, Lord God, and just change that area of my life. If you would, ask God right now to work on your weaknesses, whatever weaknesses you have in this area of, of relationship building. Are you selfish? Have a, hey, it's okay. No, no one's pointing any, to anybody. We're just asking the question. Are you selfish? Have them work on that. Are you, have you, you lose your temper very easily? God, work on that area of our lives. Are we controlling? God, we want to work on our control. Are we condemning? Lord, we want to work on that area of our lives. Are we comparing people? Lord, we want to work on that area. Lord, we just want to work on whatever area needs the, needs the work. And every single one of us in this room, Lord, needs a lot of work. I'm first. Ask him to give you wisdom in your relationships. Practice not doing what you normally do or were taught to do. Practice, practice, practice. Read the book of Proverbs and practice. Lord, we want to practice. So we ask you for wisdom in our relationships. Give us the strength and the ability to change. God, we pray for strength and ability to change in these areas. My friends, wisdom can transform the way we live and it can transform the way we live with others. And Lord God, that's what we want to see happen in our lives. We want to see transformation this entire summer on how we live. And we want to see transformation on how we live with others. Father, I pray that we would talk about it with each other. I pray that we would talk about it in our small group, in our life groups. I pray, dear God, that we would interact with one another, that we'd be open and honest and vulnerable with areas that where we need to grow and that you would change us. Even just a, just a little bit, Lord, just, we want to take baby steps we want to change this summer to become the people that you want us to be so that we can be better, more effective in relating to others and, and leading them into a closer relationship with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.